for tuning in to this session. Um, my name is Serena Ruiz. I'm a research assistant professor here in the agronomy and horticulture department at the UNL. And I'm going to talk a little bit about cover crop management for soil health in Nebraska. So the goal for this session is um, to be able to describe how cover crop management practices affect soil health. So what is soil health? Well, soil health is that um, can also be referred to as soil quality. It's defined as the continued capacity, capacity of a soil to function as a vital living ecosystem that sustains plants, animals, and humans. Um, it really boils down to maintaining that soil in such a state that it can still provide uh, food, shelter, water, and perform the functions that are required to produce uh, food and fiber. So when we talk about soil health in terms of um, soil properties, we're looking at the dynamic soil properties or soil properties that are, are able to change with different management practices. And those include a set of physical, chemical, and biological properties. And those physical properties include like our soil structure, our compaction parameters of bulk density and penetration resistance, our hydraulic properties, um, including water content or uh, water retention, or plant available water, as well as water infiltration. And our biological properties include like microbial biomass, um, the number of earthworms, soil respiration. And then our chemical properties are looking at basically the types of uh, things that we see on our soil test reports, including soil organic matter, uh, pH, and our various nutrients. So in order to further harness the, harness the benefits of soil or of cover crops on soil health or soil ecosystem services, um, we may need to look at some different management practices, but all of these different management practices that I'm gonna talk about today, well, or are compared to either our business as usual, uh, cover crop planted in fall after harvest, or a no cover crop control. And if we want to improve our management practices for our cover crops, we can even get some other services out of our cover crops, including um, hay for animals or just uh, grazing for the, uh, the cover crops. So the first study I'm gonna talk about is a four year uh, cover crop study where we planted the cover crops into the standing um, main crops. We had three sites, one in Concord, one in Mead, and one in Place Center. We planted uh, cover crops pre-harvest in September into the standing crops, and that was either corn or soybean. And then post-harvest in late October, and we used either rye or a mix of cover crops. And then we planted, um, here you can see photos of, the, of some of the rye in the fall. Uh, so we're looking at uh, cone index or compaction which decreased in two out of three sites. In general, we want to see that compaction, those compaction numbers go down when we have cover crops. Uh, soil structural quality increased at one out of three sites, meaning we had better soil structure. Um, labile or particulate organic matter increased at one out of three sites, but soil organic carbon and total soil nitrogen were unaffected by early planting the cover crops early. And part of why we may be seeing um, some of these uh, non-effects on some of these soil properties 
is due to uh, the cover crop biomass production. Cover crop biomass production um, is a key driver of um, impacts to soil health because the more biomass you have, the more input you have into your soil organic matter, which fuels a lot of these changes in soil properties. So in general, early planting reduced compaction but had minimal effects on other soil properties, primarily due to the relatively low biomass production. But what about if we terminate the cover crops late? So here I'm going to talk about a six-year study that looked at terminating cover crops uh, early or two to three weeks before planting uh, corn or late, which is at corn planting. And we had two sites, a rain fed site and an irrigated site. Um, the rain fed site was located near Eagle and the irrigated site was located near Clay Center. And I'm going to focus on the irrigated site just to, because of the higher biomass production. Um, as I said, biomass production is a driver of changes in soil health. Um, it is no-till continuous corn. And if you look down here in this, this corner of the slide, you can see the levels of biomass production for the early terminated cover crop and the late terminated cover crop. So anywhere from the late termination, just over half a ton to over two tons of biomass per acre. Um, looking at some of our results, uh, penetration resistance or compaction was unaffected by cover crop termination date. Aggregate size increased, so better soil structural quality when we have late terminated cover crops. Organic matter increased, that should be 4.6, not 46, apologize for that. And then no effect on water infiltration or plant available water. And then no effect on corn yield in four out of the six years. So in general, we're not seeing a lot of effects on corn yield, which is good because one of the concerns with having our late terminated cover crop is that it would use water for the following crop and thereby reduce yields. So terminating late or, or at planting increased organic matter and soil aggregation compared to the traditional business as usual termination of about two to three weeks before planting. So what, what if we target sites that need cover crops? Can we see more effects um, in the short term by targeting eroded or sloping sites or sandy sites such as um, rural organic matter type um, situations? So what we did here was we planted cover crops pre-harvest uh, about a month prior to um, terminating or um, harvesting the main crop and then also post-harvest. And here you can see our biomass levels still fairly low, but we are hitting that one ton um, level in some situation in some years. Aggregate stability, organic matter, and nitrate concentrations were generally unaffected by the cover crops. Corn and soybean yields typically unaffected by the cover crops. And again, that's probably because the relatively low biomass production that we're seeing. Um, perhaps if we were seeing a higher biomass production or biomass that was greater earlier in the spring, that we might see more um, effects on some of these soil properties, particularly nitrate concentration. So 
early planting about one month prior to harvest at the sloping and sandy sites and minimal effects of soil health and crop yield after four years. Um, the hope is that we would start to see some effects on these soil properties in the long term. So we are continuing these studies and hopefully we'll, you know, as I said, see some effect of um, cover crops on soil health parameters. So what if we follow the cover crops um, after a corn silage crop or winter wheat crop that is short season so we can get the cover crop in relatively early. Um, so we had two sites, one in Tecumseh, one in North Platte, and we're looking at a cover crop versus no cover crop control at both sites. And then the cropping system at Tecumseh was a rain-fed, no-till, corn silage, soybean, winter wheat. And at North Platte was a sprinkler irrigated, strip-till, continuous corn silage. And if we look at our data, I have to acknowledge that this is from uh, some of Dr. Blanco's work with his team at these two sites. And we have pretty high biomass production, um, two and roughly three and a half tons per acre. Penetration resistance or compaction decreased with cover crops at Tecumseh, but we had no effect on water content, aggregate size, or organic matter, which led to no, um, no effects on soybean, corn, or wheat yields across the three years. When we look at North Platte, again, no effect on penetration resistance or water content, aggregate size or organic matter, and then non-significant effects of corn silage after three years. So if those two studies I just talked about were in the short term. I'm going to highlight um, a short-term study after winter wheat and a long-term study after winter wheat here, just to kind of illustrate how cover crop effects can accumulate in the long-term and why we might need to um, have a long-term investment in planting cover crops at our various farms. And so our short-term study is near Eagle, Nebraska. It's a three-year winter wheat, corn, soybean um, cropping rotation. We observed no effects on cover crops or of no on soil health parameters after three years, a one full cropping cycle. The cover crops were only going in after winter wheat, and we we're using sorghum span and um, sun hemp. Sun hemp is a legume. And even with over four megagrams per hectare of biomass, so about two tons per acre of biomass with the sorghum span and sun hemp, uh, we weren't seeing the effects of soil properties, but this is a very high organic matter site. Um, if we were to plant these same cover crops on a lower organic matter site um, that maybe needed a little TLC, then we might start to see some effects, especially if we are doing a shorter um, shorter rotation. Um, so our long-term study is in Kansas, but it's um, it's still in our in our neighborhood of Nebraska. 15 years of no-till winter wheat sorghum with late maturing soybean or sun hemp cover crops after uh, winter wheat. And a lot of biomass produced here, um, roughly two and a half tons per acre for the late maturing soybean and three and a half for the sun hemp. So if we look at the effects of, and this is from uh, some of Dr. Blanco's work in 2011, we look at the effect on water infiltration, 
sun hemp increased water infiltration compared to no cover crop, but our late maturing soybean with a little bit less biomass is actually just somewhere in between. If we look at the number of earthworms, here we've got our no cover crop, our late maturing soybean, and our sun hemp. Sun hemp, um, the sun hemp plots had more earthworms than the late or the no cover crop plots. And earthworms are really important for the processing of organic matter. So it's good to see more earthworms um, in these sun hemp plots. And then again, that late maturing soybean is somewhere in the middle. And earthworms are also important for aggregation. Um, and because they are processing that organic matter. And here we're looking at the mean weight diameter of soil aggregates or aggregate size. And our late maturing soybean and sun hemp plots had higher uh, soil aggregate size than the no cover crop plots. And that is related to our soil organic matter or soil organic carbon, which again, that matches with our late maturing soybean and our sun hemp having higher soil organic carbon content than our no cover crop control. Now, the thing that we're probably all wondering about is what about the subsequent crop yield? And if we move over here to this other graph, I'm going to start with the zero uh, nitrogen application rate. The application of the or the use of these two legume cover crops actually increased sorghum yield compared to no cover crop. But then at the high end rate, we see no effect of the cover crops on crop yield. So either beneficial effects or no effect depending on our nitrogen rate. So impacts of cover crop on soil health following a short um, season crop like winter wheat may be evident in the long term rather than the short term. So our take home points, early planting of cover crops in corn soybean generally reduced compaction but had minimal effects on other soil health parameters due to low biomass production. Uh, terminating late or at planting increased organic matter in soil aggregation compared to traditional termination time of after six years. Early planting about one month prior to harvest in sloping and sandy sites had minimal effects on soil health and crop yield in the short term. And lastly, impacts of cover crops on soil health following a short season crop like winter wheat may be evident in the long term rather than the short term, just because it takes time for those effects to show up. And with that, I will open it up for questions.